Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you. Glad you're here today. Um, if you haven't yet, I do want to invite you to, on your way out or your way in the coming weeks, check out the pictures that we do have out in the lobby, because it really does represent people here in our church who are saying we want to hear from God and share that with others. And I know you'll be encouraged as you look at those photos, and as you participate as well, you'll be encouraged. And like Tristan, who we just heard from, who's a young adult, I met him at our event, a One Epic Week event in August. And since then, he's been coming and has been a part of our church, and it's been fun to see him uh, take steps to continue to grow. Um, and I'd, I'd invite you to actually pray for Tristan. He's, he's really doing what he's talking about in that verse, which is following Jesus. Um, he's really made a decision to follow Jesus with his life. In fact, he's committed to um, really discover and, and fall, go down a path towards uh, overseas missions. And right now, he is in the process of preparing for that and training and getting development for that so that he can go out and make disciples of all nations. So pray for him, and, and it's exciting for us to be a church that's able to support him in that process. And so it is, it is a fun thing. This, this series that we're going through is called The Practices of Grace. The practices of grace can also be called different things, depending on what, maybe things you've heard over time. You could be called, you could call them spiritual habits. Um, many times they're called spiritual disciplines. They're called lots of different things. As a staff, we're reading a book. It's one of the books that we've encouraged you to consider as the resource to, to go deeper in terms of this study. But it's a, it's a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. And in this book, one of the things that he calls these spiritual disciplines or these practices, he calls them spiritual exercises. And I think that's a pretty good definition, this concept of exercising, um, because exercising or practice is what we do in order to move ourselves beyond a point in which we're stuck. If we are at a certain point of capacity, um, what we do is we exercise or practice to get beyond that point of where we're stuck to grow to a new level of capacity. So if you're a weightlifter, you go into the gym and you lift weights, but at some point you can't lift anymore, right? You are at a certain capacity. And the only way to get past that capacity is to exercise more, to practice more. Then you can take on more weight. That's just how it works. I grew up uh, learning how to play the piano. I took lessons for many years. I did the recital thing. Um, I even at some point found myself teaching um, young students how to uh, play the piano. And if you came to me and said, Scott, I want to learn how to play the piano, you know what I would do with you? I would start you out with a very basic scale. What scale would that be? Anyone know? The C scale. Okay, some of you took piano lessons too, all right? Even if you didn't, this is where you'd start, the foundational scale to learn the notes. And in the process of learning the C scale, um, you would learn the notes uh, on the piano, but also would teach you the fingering of how you go up and down the scale. Now, I could teach you relatively quickly the C scale, and I could even show you the fingering so that you can go up and down and up and down. And with a little, just a little bit of time, you could get it. But then... If I said to you, okay, now go faster, my guess is you could go a little bit faster. And then if I said, okay, now go faster still, you might be able to go a little bit faster, but at some point 
you will fall apart. It just won't work anymore. Your fingers just physically won't be able to go faster, and you're still learning the notes. You'll hit your capacity, your, your point in which you're like, I can't go any faster. And then if I said to you, okay, now do it both hands, you would fit your, hit, hit your capacity a lot quicker, okay? Because they would not be in sync. Now, what, the question is, well, how do you get beyond, beyond that point? How can you go faster? How is it that you can play with both hands on the piano? The answer is what? You practice. Okay. You'd get into an exercise plan when it comes to playing the piano. So I would just simply say to you, okay, this week, here's what I want you to do. Um, Ten minutes a day, regularly, just do with the right hand only. Don't do both hands. Um, don't, don't overcomplicate it. Just, you know, ten minutes a day, just practice the scale going up and down, up and down. And then do that with your left hand. Not together, of course. Just left hand up and down, up and down. And then at the same time, I'd be coaching you on technique, your posture, and your fingering, and make sure that you get it right. And then after two weeks of those exercises, the coaching, technique, posture, all of those things, I set you back down at a piano and said, okay, go. Do you think you could play faster? You bet. You'd be able to play faster if I said, okay, now, both hands together. Do you think you'd be more in sync after the two weeks of practicing than you were when you initially sat down? Yes, you would. And this is the whole point. See, what's true in the physical world is also true in the spiritual world. But what happens sometimes in the church um, is that the answer to when you hit that capacity point is, well, I've got to lecture you, and I've got to, you know, push you, and maybe guilt you a little bit, and motivate you, and then somehow, because of all the lecturing, the motivating, the guilting, you'll go beyond the capacity point. But that's not the answer, is it? The answer in the spiritual world is the same as in the physical world. You have an exercise plan. You do practices. And what we are doing in this series is simply saying, what are the practices that Jesus taught and that Jesus did to help us grow? It's the same practices that the, first early, the earliest followers of Jesus Christ practiced and followed that helped sustain them and help them grow spiritually. We're doing the very same things. We're just looking at them together. And, and the truth is, in the spiritual world, we can hit a capacity point, right? You can say to yourself, I know that God wants me to be more loving. And so you're, you're loving to people. But at a certain point, you hit your capacity to love people, don't you? And at that point, many of you are like, I'm done. I just can't love anymore. It's over. I've hit my capacity. But no, you haven't. Guess what? You can exercise. You can practice. And your capacity to love can grow. This is what's called Christian character. The whole point of practices of grace, disciplines of grace, the spiritual disciplines, is to help us be more godly. That is to grow in Christian character, that we look more like Jesus, we act more like Jesus. That's the whole point, that we would grow. Now, if you're here and you're saying, I do want to grow in Christian character, what's the steps? Well, let me start with the first one. First of all, in order to grow in Christian character, you first need to become a Christian. Okay? And that's important for you to hear because not everyone here is. It begins by starting to say, hey, I put, I'm going to need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And when you're ready to do that and you, do, you become what Jesus says, born from above, once you're born, what do people, you know, when you're born as a baby, what do you do? You grow. So then from there, you begin to grow. And there's an, a plan with that, a program of exercises, practices that help us grow. What we're doing, what we're talking about, are exercises, 
practices to help us grow, be more like Christ, to grow in character, um, and so we can look like Him and act like Him. And this is uh, really what we're focused on in this time. Now, fortunately, Jesus does teach us what those practices are, and He models them for us. And in Scripture, we get to look to say, okay, what is it, God, that we can practice? What is it that we can do so that our capacity can, can go, we can go beyond that, that ceiling? We can move forward. We can keep growing with you. Because if we don't grow, we get stuck, and then we start faking that we're really, you know, awesome, strong Christians. And we, you know, stuff ourselves with, with fake muscles, and we say, look how strong I am as a Christian— but you also say, but please don't hug me because you'll wrinkle me. That's the, that's the problem, right? It's, it's just a, at some point, people will see through the fact that you're faking it, <laughs> that you're not growing, that you've stopped growing. And so what we need to do is to step back and say, God, how is it that I really grow? What are the, really the steps that I can take, the practices that I can incorporate into my life that you've given me by your grace so that I can grow, so that I can be more and more like you and have Christ-like character, Christian character in my life. And today what we're going to be talking about is the, the practice of listening. The practice of listening. And the point of that is to listen to God's Word. And I chose the word listening very carefully because um, what, you, what I'm afraid you might hear is, the, is that I'm going to be saying to you, you need to do more Bible study. And I like Bible study, but it's so much more than Bible study. What I want for you is to understand the God behind the Bible. Not just know more about the Bible, but know God, listening to Him, to His voice, and allowing Him to transform you from the inside out. And so today we're going to look at a passage that talks about listening, listening to God's voice. And it's such a, it's such a helpful passage because it gives a very clear contrast between the person who listens to God's voice and the person who doesn't. And it's a it's very, very helpful passage for us when it comes to the practice of really truly listening and growing by hearing God in His voice. And so if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Psalm uh, chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, hope you receive the handout that's there for you. It has the passage printed. But let's stand um, in honor of God's Word and we'll read this passage together. Someone says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that, that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. Now, before we get started on this passage, what I want to do is just for a moment frame um, the book of Psalms, and really more than that, frame poetry, Hebrew poetry, because it's so important that we understand that. Um, you may know this, that the Bible is made up of different styles of literature, different genres of literature, one of them being poetry. In fact, 25% of the Bible is poetry, and most of that is in the Old Testament. It's Hebrew poetry. 
And this is important for us to understand because there's so much there, but it's helpful to understand what the difference between Hebrew poetry and what we would uh, have in, in our language, English poetry. English poetry is built upon the repetition of sounds. We use sound in the, English, in the English form of poetry to help with the meter and rhyme, and it's all built upon sounds. But it's different in the Hebrew language. The Hebrew language is not built upon sound. It's built upon ideas or concepts. And so what you'll have oftentimes in Hebrew poetry are these two concepts. They typically go in together, and they're either a repetition of an idea or a contrasting idea. Um, It's really creative what what they do with it. Or maybe it's, here's an idea and an alternate idea, and it just just puts it right there, two things, um, contrasted, compared, um, repeated, so that it catches our attention. And this is Hebrew poetry, which, by the way, is really fascinating because... Hebrew poetry, because it's built upon ideas, can be translated into any language. Thus again, proving that God is smart when he chose Hebrew as the language, right? Because English doesn't translate well because it's built upon the sounds of English. And so the poetry would not translate well. But again, God's, he's a smart God. He chose Hebrew. It's ideas that can be uh, translated to any, any language. And what we have here, even in this passage, are two ideas or two images that are contrasting. And you see that here even in the psalm. There's the image of a tree that's strong and powerful and flourishing. And then there's the image of chaff or the husk of grain, which is uh, really worthless and to be thrown out and trashed. And so you see these two uh, very powerful images. Uh, one uh, tree that's greatly treasured, and then the chaff, which is it's trash, is to be thrown away. And the idea with this, this contrasting ideas is that there's two different uh, ways of living. And behind those two different ways of living, one, a life of vitality and strength and, and hope, and a, another life of, of really destruction, behind even that is an even more important concept, is that who you are listening to, what counsel you are listening to will lead you down one of those paths of life. And so this is why this passage is so very powerful because it, it helps you, us understand, okay, who we listen to, the voices that we t- intake, the counsel that we receive puts us on two different paths. And that's why we, we have to pay very close attention to this, this, this uh, psalm because it helps us understand how to choose wisely and to really truly hear what it is that God has to say. But it begins with the danger of listening to the wrong voices. And so let me show you here in verse 1. It says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of Mockers. So he's, he's up front saying, blessed is the person, oh happy, blessed means happy, oh happy is the person who does not have this counsel, who does not stand in the way of sinners, who does not sit in the seat of mockers. And what I want you to see here in this verse, if you have a pen or a pencil, you can underline, there's a progression here. The progression is this, who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. So walking is you're walking and then standing is okay, now I'm really locked in and sitting is like, I'm, I'm here, I'm staying for a while, I'm in the spot. And so there's a progression um, that, that happens here. 
And what I want you to see so oftentimes with the voices that the, the, the psalm is trying to warn us to not be listening to is that it can happen, um, it feels sudden, but it's actually been subtly happening for quite some time. That oftentimes we find ourselves um, having gone down a path slowly, 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 we find ourselves in a spot where we're like, how did we get here? And it feels all of a sudden to us, devastating results, or, or this spot where like, I'm stuck, and how did this happen? But in reality, it's been subtly taking place for a long time. But what we feel is the sudden moment of it. So there's uh, the picture of the tsunami. When the tsunami hits, it's devastating. It feels like it's just bang, came out of nowhere. But what we know is that it's subtly been building miles and miles offshore. That wave is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then crash, it hits. And so there's a subtle progression to the voices that we can um, hear that, that can come in and steer us down a path. And then we find ourselves in a spot where like, whoa, how did we get here? I think about this all the time for our younger generation um, because they're growing up with so many different channels, so many different voices, so many different messages that are coming at them all the time. I think about that for our, our students. I think about it for our, ne- our, our next generation. I think about um, YouTube. I'll just you pick on YouTube for a moment. Um, YouTube, you, you have so many different voices, and any wacko can create a channel um, on YouTube and uh, with a little bit of marketing, have a bunch of subscribers, and then before you know it, have hundreds of thousands of followers who are listening to you give your opinion on things, and it, can, it could just be just uh, horrible, and it could be really bad advice, but you begin to let that drip and drip and drip, and all of a sudden, the flood comes, right? And parents are like, how did they get here? How did they get so far from thinking about the way that I've raised them to think? Or how did they get so far from, how do they get these ideas or these concepts? Or how do they move so far away from what I think is truth? And it's like, well, it's a slow drip process. And the more those voices come in, the more you get down to yourself and say, I'm on a path and I'm so far from where I started and I don't know how I got there. That's what this passage is warning us from. And it says, oh, happy, how happy is the person who has an allergic reaction to the wrong voices that are out there? How happy is the person who says, you know what, that's not truth, and so I need to reject it. How happy is the person who says, I'm not going to listen to the songwriters and the celebrities give me relational advice, right? that I'm hearing on the radio, that I'm watching on TV, because the relational advice that I'm getting there and I'm watching modeled in their life is broken relationship after broken relationship after broken relationship. How happy is the person who says, that's, that's not healthy, and I need to listen to some different voices. How happy is the person who says, oh, the jokes that are going on at work, those are racist, and that's not a kind of humor that I think is appropriate. How happy is the person who says, those aren't the channels that I'm going to be listening to. How happy is the person who says, you know what, no matter what Oprah says or whoever says, all religions don't lead to God. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I need to draw a line and say, these are voices that are leading me astray, and I need to have discernment. How happy is the person, is what the psalmist is saying. 
who does not walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. That subtle progression that goes and leads to a, a place um, of destruction. So then the question is, well, well what, 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 um, what do we need to be doing? So lis- listen to, to what it continues to say in verse 2. Go ahead and go to the next verse. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. So blessed is the person who does not listen to the wrong voices, but then says, I need to listen to the right voice. That's the point of this second part of this verse. So what's the right voice? It's the person who delights in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord, by the way, is the Old Testament Hebrew way of saying scriptures, the the Holy Bible. So blessed is the person who delights in God's word, delights in the scripture. And if you delight in something, guess what you'll end up doing? You end up doing it. You end up pursuing it. You can say to me, hey, I delight in playing the piano, but if you never practice or never play, I will question if you really delight in it. Does that make sense? But if you say, no, 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 this really is the truth that I'm pursuing. This really is a delight, uh, and I recognize it as the words of life. I will end up spending time in God's word and spending time pursuing God's word. It says, blessed is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And the application, if they really truly delight, is, it, is this. And who meditates on his law dead and, day and night. Who meditates on the law day and night. Now, here's the practice. The practice of, of getting God's word, hearing from his voice, is meditating on his words. Now, I know that the word meditating can come across a little intimidating. So let me just break it down for you to try to help you understand what meditating is and how we can truly receive the, the voice of God in our life that leads to a, really a path of blessing. So I'll just use the word meditating. And I'll just use some definitions, some functions of the the very definition of the word itself. So the first one is this, to memorize it. To memorize it um, is the the first thing that we do when it comes to um, meditating. And we do this. The word meditate actually means to mutter or murmur. And you do this if you've ever, you know, tried to hold on to a phone number. You like mutter it over and over and over again. You know what I'm talking about? Or some, some phrase. You're like, okay, you keep saying it to yourself. If I'm doing a construction project um, and I've made a measurement, I'm muttering to myself the entire way to the saw so that I don't forget what the cut was that I needed to make. It's like two and five-eighths, two and five-eighths, two and five-eighths. I'm saying it. Don't talk to me. I'm going to lose it. Two and five-eighths. Okay, make the cut. Great. Now let's have a conversation. I'm muttering it so I don't forget it. It's, it's memorizing. It's like, how do I hold on to it? And that's the point. Then we say, okay, we would hold on to it. We memorize it. And then the question you have is, well, what am I supposed to memorize? Let me help you with that. This is why we have a Bible reading plan. It's so helpful because as we regularly spend time with God and his word, you know what happens? We find ourselves reading through scripture and eventually God smacks us and says, that verse is for you. And we say, oh, okay, that's what we need to memorize. God, you're speaking to me. It stands out. It's, it's a challenge or an encouragement or something I need to hear. Boom. There you go. Now you know what to memorize. God will, do, God will bring those things to you. Maybe you can ask other people, hey, what are verses that are helpful for you? But you can also just, on your own, read through the Bible. Words will, the verses will come out. God will say, this one is for you. Take it. Memorize it. Now, some of you I know are hearing, you're saying, I just, I just don't memorize very well. 
And I know especially a lot of the guys here, they'll come to me and say, I just, I just don't have the, the, the brain capacity anymore to memorize. You know what I mean? The memorizing part of my brain, it's like shrunk to the size of a raisin. It just, it just doesn't work anymore. I can't memorize. And I would just say to you to the guys, just wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, when we drive out on the road later today and you see cars, can you tell me, uh, how many cars can you tell me the make and the model and the year that the car was made? And the approximate, you know, value of that car. Oh, I, I, you, you, know, you know a few of those cars. You can, you can tell me what those cars are. Oh, but you're saying you can't memorize? Yes, I can't memorize. It just, that just doesn't work for me. Okay, well, let me ask you this question. Do you know, uh, you know, the starting lineup for the Seahawks? Do you know the passing percentage from G, for Geno Smith? Do you know at any given time, you know, the standings for the NFL or the NHL or, you know, NASCAR or NBA, whatever it is, do you know the standings of the teams? Oh, yeah, I know all that stuff. Oh, but you can't memorize. Uh, No, can't memorize. That's That's where I really struggle. Okay, well, do you know what the prime rate is? Yes, I know what the prime rate is. Do you know what the prime rate was last year? Yes, I know what the prime rate was last year. But you can't memorize. You really, you can't do it. Nope, that's just, just brain part doesn't work anymore. I can't memorize things. Oh, well, when you get together with your friends and you're talking about a movie you love, is it, do you throw out movie quotes back and forth over and over again? Yes, we, we do that. We, we love throwing out the movie quotes. Oh, but you can't memorize. Really, you can't memorize. Do you see, do you see where I'm getting at here? It's very easy for us to say we can't when the reality is we have a pretty good capacity to memorize a lot of information. And there's a lot of useful, useless information that we've memorized. And so the meditating idea is to say, okay, how can we take certain things that are of value and get it into our, our minds and our hearts? And I know that some of the guys are saying, well, that's really what my wife is good at, but not me. Okay. <laughs> Guys, let me help you. I'll give you, a, I'll give you something to memorize. Ready? How about this one? Okay, from Ephesians uh, chapter 5. Let me give you this. Husbands, love your wives. <laughs> think you can memorize this one? I think you can. I think you can memorize it. And, and it would be a good thing for you to stop and say, okay, what, is this, what does this uh, mean? And, and that's really this, this, the second part of uh, memorization is, uh, sorry, meditation, is that not only we memorize it, but then we, we, um, we ponder it. We stop and say, okay, what does this mean? And so this is why I'll give you the second thing. You memorize it, then you ponder it. You memorize it, then you, you chew on it. Okay, okay, what does this mean? Husbands, love your wives. Husband loves your wife. What, is, what does this mean? And listen, you may say to yourself, okay, well, really for me to help, help me understand what it means to love my wife, I need to get together with some guys and we need to talk about what does it mean to love, uh, to love. And that's a good thing I'm for it. But listen, when all, said and, when all is said and done, what hop happens so often is more is said than done, right? So what you need to do is just say, okay, I need to do it. I need to do it. And, and that's an important thing. And really kind of the third, the third aspect there is that you do it and, and that you say, okay, I'm going to go for it. So you could say, well, I just, I hope that one of the pastors at some point, they speak on this verse so that I can really understand what is the Greek word for love? Listen, the Greek word for love is love. Listen, you go to your wife and you ask her in English, what would it mean for me to love you? And when she gives you a to-do list, Get a note, get a notepad and a pen and write it down, okay? That's what it means. You, you, you take it, you hear it, you do it. And you're saying, okay, great. I did all three things that she said. I'm done, right? 
No, you're not done. All right, some of you guys have learned. Okay, this is good. Okay, next phrase in this verse. Let me see what's next in this verse. It says, husbands loved your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you want to memorize the whole verse, extra points for you, right? Um, Love your wives. How? And you're like, look at this. And you're like, okay, Jesus gave his life for the church. Okay, I'm talking about sacrifice or something. Jesus, it's a whole lot. God, I don't think I can do that. Okay, good. Now I have you praying. That's awesome. This is a great place to be to say, God, I need help. This is a whole lot to this whole sacrifice thing to, to give. And I know some guys here saying, hey, listen, I will take a bullet for my wife. Fantastic. In the very rare extreme scenario that you would have to take a bullet for your wife, that's very nice. But what your wife wants is for you to take your dishes all the way to the dishwasher. What your wife wants is for you to take out the trash. What your wife wants is for you to just put the remote down for a moment and take some time and say, how was your day? And listen. And don't teach. Listen. 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 That's what it means. That's what she's looking for. And that's the important part. Now, I know there's some elbows flying a little bit right now. So, (laughs) guys, I'll ease off for a moment. Let's talk about the wives for a moment. I can just skip a few verses earlier. Look at this past, this verse, just a few verses earlier than that last one. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. You're saying, I don't like that verse. Let me help you. Tough. You're saying, no, seriously, I do not like it. I don't, I don't like that it's there. I don't like, you know, first, gen, first century gender roles. What are they doing here? And listen, your argument is not with me. Your argument's with God, okay? He already knows you don't like it. You can tell him that. You might as well just get started on the conversation with him, okay? It's okay. He can handle it. And at the same time you're having the conversation, stop and say, Lord, what would it mean for me to ponder this? What would it mean for me to take this in and say, okay, I want to meditate on it? It, 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 could, be, it could be really transformative. Now some of you are saying, well, I'm not married. What, what, what about me? Well, let me just give you a couple other verses. Just a few verses down later in, in Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents ponder that for a while, okay? (laughs) Chew on it. Wrestle it. Think about it. What does that look like? What does that mean? What does it mean for me to do that? Uh, This is going to be the memory verse for my family today, right? So this is good. So then you can go a little bit further. How about this one? Parents, do not exasperate exasperate, your children. We'll get that. Um, There's a lot there, right? There's so much in God's Word that we can say, I can memorize that. And then as I memorize it, it would just, I can kind of work it through. That's the whole idea. Meditation is that we're working it through. It's, it's needing its way into not just our minds, but into our hearts, into our lives and our actions. That's the idea here. And so God's Word can be transformative. Blessed is the person who says, I'm going to listen to God's voice and allow it to trans- transform me because it will increase your capacity to love. It will increase your capacity to sacrifice. It will increase your capacity to make an impact in the relationships around you as you listen to God's voice in your life. 
So then, what's the, what's the result of all of that? What's the result of someone who listens? Verse 4, uh, in, sorry, verse 3. The, that person is like the tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So the person who listens to God's voice says, I'm not going to listen to the other voices. I'm going to listen to God's voice. Listen, they're like a tree planted firmly. There's stability. There's flourishing. And it says that everything they do prospers. And I just highlight the word prosper for a moment because I want you to understand. Prosper in the Hebrew mindset means successful. That you'd be successful in what you do. And success, again, in the Hebrew mindset is not so much, um, it's, it's more about who you are than what you do. That's success. So it's not that, that we come with faith so that we can control what happens to us. That we come to faith that we say who we are is what is important no matter what happens to us. Do you hear the difference? It's not so much that you get the great job, but it's who you are no matter what job you get. That's success. That's the whole point. When we get God's word and it transforms us, it changes everything and it changes that and we become successful, prosperous. Then verse 4. What about the person who doesn't listen? Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. And it says, not so. And I just think this is interesting. The opposite of blessed is what? Cursed, typically, well, you would think. But here, God's saying, no, 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 just not so. It's kind of a gentle but very clear reminder. Not so the person who doesn't listen to God's voice. Not so are you stable. Not so are you flourishing. Not so are you prospering. It's just simply saying you're not receiving any of those things if you don't listen to God's voice and you listen to the other voices along the way. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. The chaff is the husk of the grain seed. If you, if you know that, that when there's the threshing of the, of the grain, they're wanting to get to that kernel, the seed, which is life, um, which is fruitful, which is what, what gives, brings food. But then the, the husk, the chaff, is, is what you want to get away. And so they throw it up, and the chaff would blow away. The seed would fall down. But the chaff is, is trash. It, it gets blown off. And so he says, listen, not so. They're like the chaff. They're missing it. They're, they're losing out on the vitality and life by not being centered and listening to God's voice in their life. And so that's the, the whole picture there. Then verse 5 says this, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Um, so he's just simply saying, listen, they miss out. This is their end. This is the outcome. They won't stand. They won't be able to sit with the, in, the, in the assembly of the righteous. Verse 6, this is the final outcome of the two different ways of life. For the Lord watches over the way. The way is the path, the way of the righteous. God's looking over. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So again, you, he ends with the two paths. It's very clear. There's one way and then there's another way. One way has God looking over, looking over you, watching for you, caring for you. It's not that you're better than the other one. You're just simply saying, I'm listening to God. The other one says, I'm not listening to God. Guess what? That path leads to destruction. When you're saying, I'm not going to hear God's voice in my life. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to rebel against it. It leads to destruction ultimately. And it couldn't be more clear. We ought to meditate on that. When we find ourselves in those moments of saying, "Uh, my way or God's way? Just stop and say, there's only two paths. There's not a, a plan C here. There's not a third path. It's, it's a path of life and blessing or a path of destruction. We need to hear that and be reminded of it along the way. And it's important for us to get. Now, again, what I want you to understand here 
is not the application of like, okay, I'm here and I just need to study the Bible more and I need to try harder. No, that's not it. It's not just that you study the Bible, but that you get um, a clear understanding of the God behind the Bible. That we don't want you to just work your way through the Bible. We want the Bible to work through you. That's the whole point. You can have the practice, but if you don't miss the purpose, the purpose is that it gets us closer to God, closer to Jesus, having Christ-like character. That's the purpose. The practice is one thing. The purpose, together with the practice, is what brings about godly character. And that's why I give you this passage in John chapter 5. Because one thing the Bible does teach us, it's very possible for you to know lots of Bible and still be very wicked at the same time. And so it's not so much that it's the Bible study, but it's the person behind the Bible that we need to be interacting with. And that's why Jesus says this. He's speaking to the Pharisees who are very religious and are very far off from really the heart of God at the same time. So let me show you what it says. You study the scriptures diligently thinking that in them you have eternal life. So the the thought is I'm doing the practice. I'm doing the practice. I'm doing the practice. But these are the very scriptures that testify about who? About me. Yet you, you, you refuse to come to me to have life. See, again, it's not just study the Bible, study the Bible, study the Bible. It's that we would understand the God behind the Bible that would bring us closer to Jesus. If you are studying God's word, listening to the Bible, and, 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 and you're not coming and encountering Jesus and growing closer in, into a relationship with God, you're, you're missing it. This is the whole point, that we would encounter and engage with the God of the Bible because it's, it's there that we have life. Then Jesus goes on and says, I don't accept glory from human beings, so I'm not, you're not going to you know, schmooze with me, but I'll tell you the truth about you. Look what he says in verse 42. But I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. He's saying, listen, you can know a lot about the Bible, but still miss having a love for God in your hearts. Well, how would we know if we really have a love for God in our hearts? We would know that if the practice is getting us to the right purpose, it would produce character. And the character means that we have a growing, we're growing in our obedience to, to God and we're growing in our service to others. That's how we know that we have the love of God in our heart. A growing in obedience to God and growing in service towards other people. This is the whole goal. Goal. Again, practice without the purpose is, is meaningless. But you put the practice together with the purpose of growing in Christian character, ah, now we begin to get somewhere. God can change us. He can transform us. And that's what we have to say. Okay, that's what we're going after. Now, before we close, let me give you a couple of tips to help you grow in the practice of listening to God's voice. Just a couple of tips before we go. If you're a note taker, you're welcome to take these down, but they're very, very simple tips. The first one is this, start small and specific. Be, start small and specific. Some of you are saying, great, I really want to study God's word. I'm going to read the entire Bible um, in, in a month. Don't do that, okay? It'll, 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 you just won't make it. That's why we have the Bible reading plan, because it breaks it into little bits. In fact, even breaks down the Bible reading plan that we follow, breaks it into four different sections. So you could do Old Testament, or you could do Wisdom, or you could do Psalms, or the New Testament. You can go smaller and bite-sized. I meet with a group of guys once a week, and we've just made a commitment to say, let's read through the New Testament. That's five minutes a day. We can do that. So we're specific, and we're going small, because it's like, hey, we can do this. This is manageable, so start small and be specific. Have a plan, 
Don't just randomly come because the, the random side of things can be helpful at times, but it doesn't help you keep moving forward and saying, okay, this is going to be a regular practice. So start small and specific. The second one, set a time and a place. Set a time and a place. Um, if you say to yourself, hey, I'm going to get to it later, does later ever come? It doesn't. So we have to say, okay, we want this to be a habit where we're regularly hearing God's voice in our life. We have to get specific. We got to put, if you say to a friend, hey, we should get together sometime. Does it ever happen? Not unless you pull out the calendar and say, let's schedule it, right? In the same way, we say, God, I need to schedule some time with you. And you set the schedule, you set the time, and it begins to become a habit. And you don't even have to think about it anymore. How many of you brushed your teeth this morning? Your neighbor is hoping you brushed your teeth this morning, okay? But most of you brushed your teeth this morning without even thinking about it. It's just a habit. It's just something that just, you don't even realize, when did it happen? Oh, yeah, yeah. It just happens in your morning because it's just been set up as a time and it's specific and you just do it. That's the whole point. Set a time and a place and, be, and over time that be, can become a, a, a very um, stable habit in your life. The third one is this. Um, share with others. Share with others. As you're listening to God, it is, that is good. But as you say, okay, here's what God's teaching me. Here's what I'm learning. Here's what's standing out to me. It helps you because guess what? When you're talking to someone else, you're listening to it twice. You heard it from God. Now you're hearing it from your own lips. Now you're getting it even deeper. It's anchoring even deeper into your soul and your heart and your life. That's why we love that we're doing the picture frames out there. You know, this week we're saying, hey, is there a verse that stands out to you? Great. Write it down. Share it with the church. It's just a second layer of you simply saying, I'm listening, I'm listening again, I'm even sharing it. I, show, I told you that I meet with a group of guys on a weekly basis. Jed Morris and I meet with a couple of young, uh, young guys, and we've just said, hey, let's read through the Bible and let's share. What, what is it that stands out to you? What is it that you're reading or hearing or, the, or was encouraging or there's a question? And we don't have to know all the answers. Let's just talk about it. So by doing it together with other people, there's built-in accountability. Okay, we're going to meet once a week to talk. Okay, I better have something to talk about or be aware of what other people are talking about. And by sharing it, it's another layer for me to learn to listen to God's voice in my life. And it, and it can be really powerful. So there's three different ways that we can grow in our listening to God's Word. Again, God in His grace has given us these practices so that we can avoid the path of destruction and experience the path of life. Let's take a moment and let's thank God for his grace in our life. God, as we come to you in prayer, we just, we just pause and we just thank you for the fact that you are so gracious and good to us to give us your word, to speak to us, and to give us life. And at the same time, God, for so many of us, we know we live in this world that has so many conflicting messages, so many um, harmful and damaging messages that we are living in and they're all around us and it's, it's unavoidable. And for many of us, God, we've been listening to those voices for far too long. So we ask for your help, for your help to be able to discern the right voices from the wrong ones, that we might be able to remove those channels in our life so that we can be more open to hearing from you and your word and that you would direct us, you would lead us, and that you would lead us towards life. God, we thank you for your care for us. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you're God.
who wants to speak to us. Help us to be people who listen to you. Amen.